that it's all right. Whoa, it's all right. Or wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is 90.7 WXIN. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Helms. It's a show we talk about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports right here on 90.7 WXIN. We have, God, do we have a lot to talk about today. The Red Sox doing well. Just continuing to enrapture me back into the fold here. The Patriots. Dominating the first game of the season. The NFL, week one as a whole. Going down. Very excited to see all of that. And if you want to chime in on any of these topics, do not be afraid to call in at 401-456-8787. Once again, the phone line to hop on the show is 401-456-8787. Oh, and of course, at around 1230, we're going to be joined by Kenny Doyle of Real Sports. Excuse me, of Guy Boston Sports, not Real Sports, one of them of Guy Boston Sports, editor-in-chief down there. He'll be hopping on with us, talk about the Patriots, talk about the NFL. But first, we need to get things started here. And yes, so as much as I'd love to start with the Patriots, love to start with the NFL, love to just fan out as I do when football starts, when I sit down. In front of my laptop, pull up like five different st- different streams, watch every game as it happens. God, I got my fantasy team pulled up. Dude, go the whole, the whole nine yards, really. Do the entire experience. Can't do that today. Can't do that yet. Because first, <laughs> the Boston Red Sox, as of on Sunday night, which happened to coincide with the end of the Patriots game, don't know if they realized that. Don't know if, they, if they'd recognize that. Oh, oh, no, the Patriots are going on. People might not see this. They did. They released that they have formally, essentially they fired team president of baseball operations, Dave Dombrowski. And this isn't a surprising move. I thought that there was a good chance this was coming for a while, and a lot of other people did. They, this isn't even a bad move. I don't disagree with it. I'll get into my thoughts on it in a minute, on the actual, the, the baseball side of things. But first, I just want to start with this. My God, do, do the Red Sox... And team ownership, the whole the whole crew of them, there are three owners. Do John Henry, Tom Warner, Sam Kennedy, do they all think that we're dumb? Because that's kind of what I don't get. Because as I as I alluded to moments ago, <laughs> they clearly tried to slide this in. Tried to kind of go under the radar with this. Try to kind of slide it in when people might not notice on the heels of the Patriots absolutely eviscerating the Pittsburgh Steelers 33 to 3, which once again, we will get to. We will talk about. I thought that was going to be the biggest story, or at least the lead story today, until, well, <laughs> 
How about that? Antonio Brown, all that. Going to be the lead. And then, oh, boy, look at that. <laughs> Which I guess the Red Sox firing their team president is big enough news. But do they think that we're dumb? <laughs> that if they just, you know, if they're coy about this and try to slide it when there's another really big thing going on, that we'll just not notice. As though if I'm, because I found out, that I found this out on Twitter, as though if the average fan just scrolling down through Twitter. We'll see. We'll just scroll, scroll, scroll. Oh, Patriots, Patriots, Patriots do good. Yeah, Patriots do good. Red Sox. Fire Dave Dombrowski. This isn't Patriots. I don't know what this is. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Yeah, more Patriots. And that somehow <laughs> that'll not soften the blow. Because once again, I think that plenty of fans are on board with this. But that'll somehow make it less of a story. That'll somehow just call far less attention to it. In the era of social media in 2019, like how, like it's just, are they stupid? Do they think we're stupid? <laughs> like, I truly don't get it. Like, what are they getting at with this? It's just all these big dumb and that is not going to backfire because now the story is, and especially with the way that they've been acting, they have not spoken on this, any of the ownership group. <laughs> they did this in the middle of a game, which, yeah, which the baseball game, by the way, started before the Patriots game and was still going on after the Patriots game cleaned up. After the Patriots game finished up, and after they released this Dave Dombrowski news, the Red Sox were still playing. So now you leave your players and your management and your manager to answer these questions. And this article from Mass Live that I found by Chris Cotillo outlines just that. He says that, yep, the three men who had to answer the questions about Dave Dombrowski's departure, the first... The first Red Sox people that were put in front of the media were Heath Hembry, Ryan Brazier, and Nathan Avaldi. <laughs> and those were the three guys who had to go in front and answer Dave Dombrowski news. Alex Cora didn't find out about this until after the news broke. And he had to, he just said it. He's like, I, I don't know. I got to process this, bros. All right. I need, I need a minute. I need I need a minute to process this. Which, yeah, fair enough. Cause your cause your boss has just left you out to dry with that, and that's what I'm saying. Because for some reason the Red Sox decided they had to try and be sneaky about this. They had to try and slide it under all of our noses, and once again, in a way that would never work in Boston, where there's 24/7 coverage of all the sports teams. Could they ever expect to slide us by? And then in doing that, 
And then in doing that, you play, you screw yourself. <laughs> now everybody's talking about that. Now everybody's focused on you being slimy or you, I don't know, being afraid. Cause I don't even know what they're afraid of. Really? Like this isn't an irrational thing to do. Like there are going to be fans who don't like it, but I mean, there are always going to be fans who don't like everything. But I think, I don't know, you're not going to get, this isn't some beloved figure that you're firing. This is a guy that, you know, I would like to think a lot of fans understand did his job. Now he's not the guy to rebuild the farm system. And then they'll be like, okay, cool. Move on. But because they insist on doing it like this, now we're talking about them. And now there's more attention on them. And it's just, just stupid old people not knowing how to use social media. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. But don't they have people? <laughs> like, don't they hire people who aren't old enough to collect social security to advise them on these sort of things? To just tell them, like, hey, people are gonna find this. Like, we can't hide this. It's not like we're just mailing every Red Sox fan individually saying, hey, we released Dave Dombrowski. And we just kind of hope that people don't check their mail. We're, we're leaving every Red Sox fan a voicemail so maybe they won't see it. Like, you put it out there and you put it on Twitter. People see it. And Josh Percy just walked into the test headphones. I'm going to put him on the spot. Like, Josh, like, what does like, what Red Sox ownership think they're doing Try actually like they can sneak by firing Dave Dombrowski. I think he should have been gone a while ago. Oh, I do too. I no, it's not about that. It's just the fact that like Red Sox management, they tried to put this on Twitter, like after the Yan after the Patriots game, during a Red Sox game, as though people would just scroll by it and like not notice. I mean, I don't think anybody cares. Because they all wanted him gone. He didn't help the bullpen. He didn't acquire actual oh, no, 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 starting no, 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 pitching. I am not mad about him. That's what I'm saying. Then why do you need to try and do it? And then all the owners have been hiding for two days. I mean, and make your manager. What type of question do you want to ask? Why did he fire? Why'd you fire him? No, well, just I don't. Mean, just don't hide. It's just weird. It's just weird. I honestly don't think that there's a question you could ask that you don't already know the answer to. Why'd you fire him? Well, he's yeah. not, you know, we need, we told him that, yada, no, yada, yada. Like I said, he went over tax spending on all these hitters, and yes, we won a World Series. Yeah, no, I understand now. why they fired I'm like, I'm not mad they fired him. Like, that's my point. Then why don't you just put this out in, like, the middle of a Monday and not look, and then, instead of, like, doing it Sunday night during the game, and then the next day trying to be like, I hey! Care. I don't care. That's then, my opinion. But, see, but then Monday, you're like, hey, by the way, guys, uh, ooh, who's throwing out the first pitch? Oh, look, it's David Ortiz. Look at him. He's walking again. He looks good, doesn't he? Like, I don't know. You just, you invite yourself. It's like, it's like when the Bruins fired Claude during the Patriots parade. And it made no sense because people, people were fine with that. Typically, if you're, if you're at the point where you're firing a guy, Boston fans have been calling for him to be fired for like three years. <laughs> like, you've had enough of the fan base on your side. But instead, you just, I, it's just dumb. It's just, it's just my hatred of people doing stupid, stupid, unexplainable things. More so than like any. And, 
any amount. Listen, no, I don't care. Like, I don't, like, I, I am glad that they fired Dave Dombrowski in the end. Like, I did not think, like, I, I, he did a good job. I am a bigger Dave Dombrowski guy than other people. I think he deserves all the credit in the world for assembling the team. And he deconstructed the farm system the right way. And he made the right trades. And for the most part, he signed the right guys. And I just wanted to come in here and kind of look at the tenure of Dave Dombrowski with the Red Sox. You know, kind of evaluate the hits and the misses. Because I think there were more hits than misses. There were things he didn't do. Yada, yada, yada. But instead, it just hit me. They're doing it this way. And then we'll kind of get into how they've decided to replace him. In a minute, but just to kind of put, I guess, my stamp on what I think about the move, I mean, like I said, like, I, I agree with it. I don't think Dave Dombrowski is the right guy for now what this team needs to do to achieve sustainability. I don't think that, da like, I don't really want Dave Dombrowski, and I didn't really want Dave Dombrowski being the guy to trade Mookie Betts. And I think them not trading him at the trade deadline at least had a part to do with that. I don't think they were going to, but I think that if they were more sure that Dave Dabrowski was going to be the guy going forward, that might have happened at the deadline, where admittedly he might have a little more value. I would rather they trade him in the offseason when they have more time to sit down and really think about it, and the other teams have the same kind of space to look at everything holistically and not kind of be worrying about it when you're in the middle of a season when you can just kind of do it and you have a strong reset. So I'm glad they didn't do it in mid-season, but yeah, I didn't want Dave Dombrowski being the guy to do this. I'm not really interested in having Dave Dombrowski be the guy to try and rebuild the farm system, which now needs to be done. Now, in fairness, one of the points to Dave Dombrowski is that a lot of the guy, and one of the things that I do give Dave Dombrowski credit for when people try to say, oh, he's just an idiot who just, you know, undid the undid the farm system and just just did it and just traded all the prospects. In fairness to Dave Dombrowski. I think he made a lot of the right decisions in the prospects that he let go of. He traded Minkata. Instead of trading Andrew Benintendi. Now, in fairness, I think Mankata actually had kind of a good year this year. So Mankata's looking more and more like it might be a play. God, Mankata had how many home runs? Like, Mankata had 20 home runs this year. Mankata looked good. But still, at least since then, Benintendi's been the better player. He didn't trade Raphael Devers when some people were calling for that. And now Raphael Devers is maybe their second or third best player on the team right now. He was able to get Bogarts out of good deal in the offseason. And now he's developed into a better player. And he hung on to that player. Like, just, he didn't trade Chavis, who, mind you, kind of had, kind of fell off a little bit. But still, when he was hot, he was hot. And he held on to that player for a while. So just, he's done a good job at that. And, like, Kopech turned into nothing. I don't even remember who, who did they even trade for Drew Pomerantz? Who did they even trade for Drew Pomerantz? Da -da 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 -da. Yeah, they traded Espinoza, who, I don't know. Has he been good? 
pretty sure he's been hurt the whole time. Like, what does Anderson Espinosa turn into? Got Tommy Johns a second time. Like, I'm not, I know these guys are young and they might turn into players, but at least, like, you look at it, in fairness to Dave Dombrowski, nobody they really traded. Do you look at that guy and be like, oh, that's a guy the Red Sox could use right now? Now, there were, I think the I think more of the knocks with Dave Dombrowski come more in the realm of things he didn't do. You know, he hasn't drafted particularly well. There were some moves that he didn't he didn't build a bullpen up for this year when he probably should have. You know, little things like he could have traded Jackie Bradley when his value was higher, and now that's and now he never did. Kept holding on to him, never did that, never did that, never did that. You know, he could, he shouldn't have given Chris Sale the contract that he did. Like, that, that is looking more and more like a blunder every day. That contract is still insane to me, and I would think to everybody else. At the time, I didn't mind it so much. Wasn't super big on it, but that. The, the Red Sox haven't really developed pitching. That's been their problem. None of the prospects they've had, they've really been able to develop. Now, I don't know how much of that is them I mean, how much, excuse me, how much of that is Dombrowski not drafting well? How much of that is the development staff? How much of the development staff's, you know, theoretical struggles you can attribute to Dombrowski? If you want to give him some crap for that, fine. Like, he, in the end, picks those guys. He, in the end, can put different guys in command there. Those spots, I believe. So, fine. But, in fairness, Dave Dombrowski, yeah, he tore apart the farm system. But I reject the, the notion that comes from some fans and some baseball people that just any, you know, any idiot can just do that and guarantee themselves a championship. I don't think you can. You still have to make the right moves. You still have to trade the right guys and you need to trade for the right guys. You need to. It's not easy to be aggressive sometimes. That in and of itself can be a tough thing to swallow. A tough thing to stomach doing. And Dave Dombrowski, he did a good job and he made good little moves along the way. He did. Last year, trading for Evaldi, coup. Trading for Steve Pierce, great move, worked out great. I mean, he's made other nice little trades. You know, his mistakes then came in re-signing them, re-signing Evaldi to the big contract, re-signing Steve Pierce to the big contract. Even, God, a few years ago when he traded for Aguardo Nunez, he had a nice little run with the Red Sox. Got hurt in the playoffs. They re-signed him. He's never been the same player since. That was a bad one. But still, like, the trades themselves were good. He hasn't done a great... You know, the Carson Smith trade. Bad trade, but just... I want to make sure that I fully outline that... While I am glad that he let go of Dave Dombrowski, I think that letting go of Dave Dombrowski is the right move to now get a different sort of GM to bring them into the next, you know, bring this, move this thing forward into its next stage, whatever that will be. I think they need a different sort of guy. They need more, They need a guy who's better with the farm system, better with the prospects, you know, better with drafting the right guys. Yeah, they need that. But that is not by any means me indicting Dave Dombrowski's skill at doing what Dave Dombrowski does. He is one of the few, he is an executive in sports who I don't think there's ever been a guy I really would describe this way, but he is a mercenary executive. He is an, he is an executive mercenary. 
He comes in, you give him the big money, he does his thing, he tries and wins you a title. Maybe he does, maybe he gets you there at the least. You're at least pretty confident he'll get you there, and then he takes his money and he leaves. And you don't really have anything good and young behind him, but, you know, gosh darn, you got that ring, or at least you got a good crack at one. And that's good, and that's a good thing to have. I think Dave Dombrowski should have another job in baseball. Like, Dave Dombrowski should go run a different team now. And go try and bring them to the promised land. I don't know who it is. Maybe it's the Braves. Maybe he goes to the Braves and trades the Red Sox a bunch of their top pitching prospects for Rookie Betts. Boom. Easy. But I don't know. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know what GM opening is going to be available in baseball. But nevertheless, like, Dave Dabrowski did a good job with the Red Sox. And now that job is done. And now it's time to bring in somebody else to do that job. And in the meanwhile, the Red Sox have, for God knows what reason, they appointed basically three guys to fill in for his job in the interim, who are assistant general managers, Eddie Romero, Brian O'Halloran, and Zach Scott. So the Red Sox are, you know, taking the, uh, the Houston Texans approach to GMing in the interim, which is, you know, clearly working out great for them based on how I talked last week. By the, by the way, they looked, they looked pretty good. On Monday, on uh, last night, in fairness, that was a good game between them and the Saints, but that doesn't, you know, validate the bizarre way they've been doing things. But nevertheless, yeah, like Dave Dombrowski did a good job. This isn't like when John Farrell got fired, where I was, you know, here, or me and Percy was here too, and we were here just, you know, whipping our shirts around, hooping and hollering about it. As I remember, I believe that's what happened. But. Yeah, like it's just time to move on. Not everybody's meant to have a job. Not everybody in sports is meant to have that job for 20 plus years and become an all-time fixture of the franchise. But in not doing that, it does not mean that they were bad. Or that they did a bad job. Sometimes guys only need to be here for a little while and then they're done. And that's okay. And that's Dave Dombrowski. And we all knew that this was the case. So, you know, Red Sox fans should be happy. With a job he did. This season sucked, but I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't blame it all on the bullpen. I don't, I don't know what's, I don't know what happened. I don't think anybody really knows exactly. I'm trying to assign blame to any one person is silly. But anyway, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Kenny Doyle of GuyBostonSports.com. He's going to be joining us to talk Patriots, talk NFL, talk Antonio Brown, which once again was the biggest, most recent piece of news until... The, the next biggest, most recent piece of news. So we'll dive in on all that in just a bit. You are listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. And we'll be back in just a minute. In 1966 in Anchorage, Alaska, a talented child was born. He would go on to be one out of only 11 Alaskans to make it to the major leagues. The odds of him striking out more than 3,000 hitters? One in 33 million. The odds of this pitcher being selected to the Major League Baseball All-Star Game six times? One in 48 million. The odds of this fastballing philanthropist winning the World Series three times? One in three million. The odds of this man having a child diagnosed with autism? One in 110. Hi, I'm Kurt Schilling. Learn the signs of autism at AutismSpeaks.org. Autism is getting closer to home. From 1 in 5,000 only 20 years ago, today 1 in 110 children are diagnosed. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Autism Speaks. It's time to listen. 
Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This entire piece of music was played with only two instruments, a right hand and a left hand. Hands can do incredible things, but nothing compares to using them to help save a life with hands-only CPR. If an adult suddenly collapses, call 911, then push hard and fast in the center of their chest until help arrives. Hands-only CPR is recommended by the American Heart Association, and it's incredibly easy and effective. Find out more about this latest method of CPR at handsonlycpr.org. The power to help save a life is in your hands. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We've been married 38 years, we're retired, and this is how we live united. We play golf and we travel, but we also decided we were going to give to and volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. I do the nursing at the clinic. I work the front office, checking in patients, greeting them, making them feel comfortable. United Way is how we contribute, because we know our time and money are going to the right places, the places that need it most and implement it best. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement too. We even get a few bless yous. It's incredible. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. So we don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give, advocate, volunteer, live united. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. It's easy to take your world for granted. Most days go by without a whole lot of surprises. But what if a disaster strikes without warning? What if life as you know it has completely turned on its head? What if everything familiar becomes anything but? Would you be prepared? Before a disaster turns your family's world upside down, it's up to you to be ready. Get a kit. Make a plan. Be informed. Today. Learn how at www.ready.gov. Ready.gov. This message brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency and the Ad Council. The creeping realization that you're not graduating when you thought you would encroaching in? Exhausted from waiting over an hour to buy one monograph from the bookstore? The daily hunt for parking, wearing you and your car out? Well, if you think dancing and liquor can mask any of these problems, come join us at the 90.7 WXIN Back to School Bash, Thursday, September 19th at Alchemy. Doors open at 9 p.m., $3 with a Rick ID, $5 without. Hey, this is Larry Thomas, the Soup Nazi from Seinfeld, and you're listening to 90.7 WXIN Rhode Island College Radio. Keep listening or no soup for you.
WXIM Stadium Experience, Jake Elmsley. We've been talking um, just about how the Red Sox kind of just, you know, had Dave Dombrowski plow the fields for a little bit. Then after he was done, brought him out back, told him uh, told him that'll do, and well, shot him dead. So he's out as the GM of the Red Sox. Once again, our president of ba- baseball operations, whatever they want to do, because baseball teams just can't use real terms, I guess. It's, baseball terms are really business-like. You got your managers, you got your presence of baseball ops. I don't know. Anyway, though, we're going to move away from baseball now for hopefully what'll be for the for, for hopefully what'll be at least a little while until the playoffs come, unless something else happens with the Red Sox or they hire a new GM, I guess, or they do something stupid. Who knows? But until then, we're going to move into football with and joining us now to discuss really everything going on in the NFL, but especially the Patriots, is Kenny Doyle of Real Sports 101 and. I mean, of real Jesus Christ, Guy Boston Sports. I don't know why I keep saying that. Hi, Kenny Doyle of GuyBostonSports.com. Hi, what's going on? You know, the last time I was on was for that mock draft back in April when Jake Bailey was taken in the first round. Yes. That I know at the time he would soon become the star of the Patriots and one of the best and boldest picks in mock draft history. Not a great game yesterday, i got to say. Ready to call him Jake the did, Fake. But. Did he play? I don't, like, I don't remember seeing him. Did the Patriots punt I at remember? all? I remember one play, I think, where he just he had a punt that w- was not good. It just struck. It was struck out. I, I, he like he didn't shank it, but it was it was much. Uh, it, it wasn't the five second hang time that we we were, got so used to in preseason. I was disappointed. I wasn't. He, uh, I was had uh, Jake Bailey. He had three punts for an average of forty one yards with uh with one inside the twenty. So I mean, like those aren't those aren't yet rookie of the year numbers, but I mean Yeah, not the superstar numbers I was expecting, you know? He's getting like he has a whole year to make he has like five months to get to the point where he can be the Super Bowl MVP where he can be the people Super Bowl's MVP like his predecessor. Ryan Allen. Right, right. Well he doesn't even have a job now. I'm stunned. But I, I don't know if I wanted to spend this whole segment especially talking with, about punters. Especially but. when you have like the Jets who like didn't have a punter. Who just straight up didn't yeah. have a punter? Like, like there are like teams will play it fast and loose with the punters. Yeah, he worked out with the Texans, but uh, he worked no out with signing who? yet. So the Houston. Okay, of course he did. <laughs> like, yeah, they'll they'll take any windfall time. from the Patriots. Like, of course they, of course he did. Right, right. That's the most sensible right, thing well, in the world. We should probably we should probably yeah. move on from well, punters. No, there there was a big signing. I think Antonio Brown got signed for. Yes, uh, no. Brian which, Allen. like I said, I thought was going to be like the biggest, most recent piece of news, and then the Red Sox just had to come in and somehow try and one up everybody while trying also to hope nobody notices, which is still freaking insane to me the way they did that. But anyway, yes. Yeah, so Antonio Brown, <laughs> now a Patriot, and. I, like, is the whiplash gone yet? Because that, like, I I don't know. Like, I, I'm not hardwired to get super excited about things like other sports fans are just because of, I don't know, how I am. And maybe it's why I'm so great at this. But, like, the entire Antonio Brown saga, which really feels like it all happened within the course of, like, five days. You know, it actually happened over the course of, like, three months. The whole right. saga was just happening and happening and now he's calling Mike Mayock a cracker. And now now he's releasing a video of John Gruden. 
he's, he's wiretapping his coach. And I'm like kind of trying to give Jordan updates on this because he's not keeping track of it. And I'm trying to send him the text. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, oh, now he's on the Patriots. Okay. Like, it kind of blew me back before anything else. Like I, like, I don't understand how people were able to just see all of that news and then immediately get excited. Like, I needed like a minute to recover. And then I had to write an article on it like an hour after the news dropped. Yeah, I, I wonder if we're going to get a YouTube video with Antonio Brown recording a conversation he has with Bill Belichick. Oh, God, don't like, even hope uh, so, though. Antonio, <clears throat> you just play football. Stop. <laughs> but Antonio, yeah, no, you're here. You, you are a wide receiver for the Patriots. And he just puts that to like some nice like black and white music of like him driving down like the highway. Like the roads. He gets but his... in all seriousness, I mean, it, it, you're right. It is ridiculous. I remember when that video, when he dropped that video of John Gruden on, I think it was Friday night, was it? I, I was just completely floored. I couldn't, I, I was laughing hysterically. Oh, I was like, this is I so funny. Believe, I couldn't believe there was another thing he was doing. After everything that happened, he apologized. He's playing that Monday night. It seems like things are back on it's the right weird, track with the Raiders, really, and then suddenly. Gruden didn't even really say anything in the video. And it feels weird to try to talk about this video now because that feels like five topics ago. That feels right. like and they also, five things like, with Antonio. He gr- yeah, he also has a great editing team, i got to say. But the thing that surprised me the most was they just decided to keep that. Like everything about the video was amazing, and the production quality was great. But at the beginning of it, they just decided to leave in when it seemed like Gruden and Brown didn't know they were talking to each other. It was that awkward pause where they both said hello at the same time, and then like they no both just like picked then... up the phone and like and like somebody at Antonio Brown's house was happened to be on the line with John Gruden, and he picked up like the right, other yeah. landline. I mean, Drew Rosenhaus. I, I don't know how he gets all these clients, Gronk and. Antonio Brown and all these guys, he, he and he appears to be pretty close with him. It sounded like, I mean, in that clip, he was just at Antonio Brown's house. And But, yeah, I mean, overall, Antonio Brown come to the Patriots, it is a shock, and you hear all the stuff about the Steelers. They could have got first-round picks from the Patriots, and now he's here for free. Well, and God, the, I mean, um, well, the other thing, like, did you see the video he took, like, right after he found out he got released? Oh, yeah, I'm free like, as a bird. Like, you know, like want, see, like, the thing stuff. that got me about this, and one of the other writers at the newspaper here pointed out to me, they're like, so why was Antonio Brown just having himself filmed with an HD camera? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like a really well, high-quality camera. Yeah, just in case he – just a 24-7, there's a camera on him in case he gets released. Uh, you know, I wonder if – I don't know. His, he, he, he showed up to Patriots practice already, right? He wasn't in a hot air balloon, and when he showed up, that wasn't what he was. I really, wanted, I really wanted to Photoshop a, vid- a photo of him coming down to Foxborough on a hot air balloon, but I couldn't find like a good enough quality photo of like a hot air balloon that would work. But anyway, no, yeah, and then it just, and then after all this news, after all, after literally, like I've been saying for months, like, oh, and so Antonio Brown's an insane person. That like, oh, his brain's actually like been turned to mush. Oh, that's kind of sad. And then suddenly, oh, he's on the Patriots now. Okay, like that's kind of cool. Like that's that's a lot. Yeah, and, you know, there were questions about the receiving core in the offseason, and I think that's why oh, really? there was a section of people. Oh, right. oh really? And I think that's why there was a section of people who said they need to make this move. They need to go get Antonio Brown because they don't have enough receivers. But I think you saw on Sunday night what a lot of people, including myself, believed, which was that they have such a depth of receivers that a few of these guys are going to have really good seasons and their receiving core will be good enough to really good. And you saw on Sunday night, Josh Gordon, Philip Dorsett, and Julian Edelman 
playing amazing football. And Josh Gordon looked like he could have put up even more numbers if he was targeted more. And it looks like their receiving core without Antonio Brown would have been fine. It would have been great. They won 33-3 to without him. So to me, the question that's not getting brought up enough is, no, they didn't need him. That argument that the receiving core was depleted, that it was a little weak, and they mm-hmm. needed Antonio Brown as an upgrade, it's just it's not true. And it was well, proven look, so here, Sunday Here's night. the thing. They – and I like – like, like I'll, I'll put it out there on the table before we start. I, I, I like the move. Like, I, I, I am fine with it. I, I feel no qualms about it. This isn't just, like, me turning on – like, suddenly, like, turning around and be like, oh, I thought Antonio Brown was, like, some kind of dick, but now he's on the Patriots, so I love him. Like, no. I, here's the thing. The Patriots are the only team that can do this. The only team that could possibly do this. Not because I mean, they necessarily need him, but because the Patriots, better than any team in the NFL, really, than any other organization, can weather this blowing up in their faces and come out on the other end totally unscathed. Well, see, I mean, there, there is some truth in that because Belichick said today he was asked about it, he was pressed on Antonio Brown's issues, and he said, well, you guys said the same thing about Randy Moss when we got him. And, you know, I, that's fair to some extent, but Randy Moss also only worked for about a year. So if you only have Antonio Brown for a year yeah. and you think he's going to work, that's no, fine. No, that's but, fine. Like, that's how I see it. Like that's, I think that's how they see it, too, by giving him a gigantic option that they'll never pick up for the second year. Like, that, like he has to work but, for five months. Right, but I think we can look at Sunday night and say they didn't need help at receiver. You know, they, they didn't need, even have Nikhil Harry and Demarius Thomas playing. They were set at receiver. They were good there. They, you know, Jacoby Myers, who a lot of people like, got, you know, one catch, so he, he barely even saw the field. They're pretty deep at receiver. They have enough guys there. The only reason to make this Antonio Brown move, to me, in my eyes, is not because you think your receiver position is weak. It's because you want the most talent you can because your goal this season is to go undefeated. That's the only reason I can see an Antonio Brown move making sense because there is risk in the fact that he'll come in, he'll cause problems, he'll complain that he's not getting up targets, all that. But if it works correctly and you have all of these great receivers on the same team and your defense is as beastly as we saw it was Sunday night and your offense can be equally dominant, then yes, you have a real chance to go undefeated. It's hard. Really, it's just challenging for any team to pass up bringing in a guy who – immediately is your second best player on offense. Just Yeah, uh, that's true. I mean, it's just like it's it, the talent. Like, yeah, they, they look good at receiver, and I still have some reservations about you know, just how they're going to look against, A, a, a team that looks like they they care even a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and how long before Josh Gordon right, how long, again? Yeah, something happens there, and he, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, how, how does Philip Dorsett fare against an elite secondary you know, what? what is the deal with Jacoby Myers? Like, does Brady ever want to trust him? You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just like you bring in that level of talent and you believe in your culture and your locker room, blah, 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 blah. Enough that, like, if he does start spouting off, like, you have to swallow some money if you ever want to get rid of him. And I don't think... I think it'll take a while. It would take a while for to get to that point because they're going to accommodate him. I'm sure, you know, a lot of the football hardos out there want to act like they're just going to, you know, they're going to bring him in and they're going to make him be a patron. Like, no, they're, they're going to let him do what he wants to a certain extent. Not to the agree, degree he's done with other teams, but they're going to play nice with him. They, you know, placate him for, you know, once again, five months. They need him to keep his head on straight for five months and – with how fast he got here also, I'm kind of willing to buy into the, 
I don't ever want to call it a conspiracy because it makes a lot of sense, but I'm kind of willing to buy into the idea that he kind of wanted to be here or at least be somewhere better than Oakland from the beginning. Well, I'll tell you right now, Oakland looked pretty good last night. Eh, I, gotta I don't say, care. I was impressed with that. Eh, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I guess. I don't care. Look, I don't know how good that Broncos team is going to be. I mean, I bet money on the Raiders. Like, I bet money on the Raiders. Like, I thought they were going to win that game just because that's football. Because they need to give something like the Oakland dads to go like, yeah, we don't need Antonio, Antonio Clown. Look at us. We beat the, we beat the, we beat the Broncos. And then like in like two months, they'll be like two and five and it won't matter. And they would have been well, two look, and, I, and they would have been two and five with him too. So yeah. Well, we'll see. I thought they, their offense did look really good. Jacobs and Waller looked great. But I, what, what I'll say about Antonio Brown is this. I think that you, people are giving him too much credit if they think this whole thing was calculated and contrived. You see, Antonio though, I kind Brown, of almost like I feel like he's so insane that I can almost like buy into like he's also been simultaneously like playing. Like while he can't figure out how to wear shoes when he steps onto dry ice into a room of dry ice, he can also play 40 chess with with three billion dollar companies like i just i can almost believe it and like another thing i read is that like apparently it's out there now and i saw this from si that he hired social media consultants to help him accelerate his release from the raiders have you seen that i i did yeah the more report yes that he uh that he did that i just think it's it's giving antonio brown a little too much credit i would say this the, the furthest i would go is that Maybe the people around him, the production team that we see putting together all this content, maybe the, they were the ones behind it and kind of steering him. Yeah. I could see that because you hear Gruden say a couple of times in those clips, you have some people around you that you know are, are you know making you do things or some bad people around you or stuff like that. So I would buy into the fact that his inner circle is kind of orchestrated this. Yeah, but sure, Antonio sure. Brown himself Him and smart people. But like, I don't, like, like no, none of these guys actually make all these, like, marketing decisions themselves. Like, it's obviously all, like, their team of people. But either way, right. like, it's him, his team, like, it's all, it's all the same to me. Like, I can believe that he kind of, like, he, he, what's it good? He is kind of an insane person. But I can believe that he cranked it up a little bit to kind of get himself out of Oakland. And once again, I'm not saying that'll never happen with the Patriots. It will eventually He'll eventually get irked about something weird and specific that should never, ever, ever anger a person to the point where they'll throw an adult temper tantrum. But it will happen. Who knows what it'll be? Like a cafeteria worker won't look at him the right way. I don't know. It happens with every receiver. It happened with Moss. But just hopefully, like, you at least get, like, those couple months of, wow, the Patriots. Wow, Tom Brady. We're winning. This is okay. Before inevitably he like stubs his toe and wants him to like blow out a wall in the locker room. I don't know. It well, will it will happen, but just hopefully in the meanwhile he catches, you know, 80 85 balls and gets like 10 touchdowns. And well, then let me lay it out to you like this. Look, I mean, I, after what I, we saw from the four AFC teams on Sunday, I don't care that it's one week. I can't see the Patriots losing to any of those teams. That Bills oh, Jets game oh my God. was awful. That was and the best game football I've ever watched. Giving up 59 points to the combination of Lamar Jackson and RG3. RG3 had nine fantasy points. I think RG3 had as many fantasy points as Jared Goff. All right, so <laughs> you, you let is, you let the guy who can't throw 
throw throw for 400 yards on you. Oh no, I can't I can't wait for for no, but we'll get we'll get we'll get we'll go we'll go around the NFL in a minute. Well, I want to hold on. So listen. So after we saw what we saw from those AFC teams, I think the Patriots unquestionably six and zero in the division. Okay, six and zero. Well, then they also play the the Giants, the Redskins. The Browns, after what we saw oh, from trust them. Me, we've we've got into into why the schedule for the Patriots is an absolute night joke. And the Bengals. So 10 of their next 15 games, automatic wins. Not even a question. This only comes down to five games for their chances to go undefeated. And that's why I bring it up, because I think that's on their minds. It has to be, because I think the receiving core is good. I think it's proved, been proven that the receiving core is good. They didn't need Antonio Brown. He's a chaotic personality, and the only reason to bring him in is to say, screw it, we want to go undefeated. And we, I think that's what we, they're doing. We just want, or, you know, screw it, we just don't want somebody else to sign him and, and risk getting better. So, like, wor- worst, worst case, we just tell him to go home for two months, and he's not signed by anybody. Yeah, I suppose you wouldn't want him with the Chiefs, so I, I guess that's, yeah, I mean, that's that is a, another reason to do like it. That's a, like, worst, worst case, you're just like, Antonio, just go home. Just just, just, just go. Just go, be, just go be your own person somewhere else. And just get out of here. You get you're getting annoyed. Yeah. They don't know, like, I just, like I said, like I tried to do, and I kind of have confidence that they can make it work for long enough. Like I just, and I do think that they can still use like. But think about that though. You get into that game if like with Antonio Brown being part of the game, they won that game the way they did yesterday without who is now their best offensive skill, their best skill position player, and without probably begrudgingly one of their best defensive players in Kyle Van Noy. Right. I mean, well, let me ask you this. Who's going to lead the Patriots in targets this year, Antonio Brown or Julian Edelman? Probably Edelman, if anything, just because it'll be like that couple-week grace period where he's kind of trying to work Antonio in, but like there's like he's not you know necessarily playing a full complement of snaps. So he might not be like fully going until like week four or five. So like, you know, by then well, Edelman... How- How's that going to sit with Antonio? I, I don't you know. Do you have concerns? Look, I think that this receiver room on top of it, like I said, they I give think him a it's bottle good. of milk and hope that it calms him down. <laughs> There's a lot of big egos. Okay. Edelman, I don't think he's not a divisive personality, so I'm not worried about him. But he has a big ego. He has a big personality. Antonio Brown, obviously. Josh Gordon, Demarius Thomas. I worry that a few of these guys are going to be upset about their targets. And, hey, maybe if they're undefeated, that won't matter. Well, Josh Gordon should just be happy to be there in in all fairness. I I don't know if Josh Gordon can really complain about the targets. Yeah, Yeah, I I, I, I suppose, yeah, Josh Gordon should probably just, uh, you know, thank his stars that he's on the Patriots in the first place. And it seems that he was doing that in the first place. Like, I don't really care if, like, like, I don't really care all that much if, like, Demarius Thomas starts spouting off. In in all honesty, like, I, I don't. Like if, uh, it's just a factor of play. There's a no, lot. Like I, I said, it's a, like they, there are plenty of targets. That, like who's gonna fill the void of all of Gronk's targets? Like Edelman can coexist with another absolute superstar. Right. Yeah. And be like Edelman's role is always gonna be there. Like that's the last thing I'm worried about. Is like Edelman's like Brady is not going to stop throwing to Edelman enough to make Edelman happy. <laughs> no matter who I they worry. I worry less about that. And he might, I worry be, he more might get upset fact, if he feels like Antonio Brown is becoming, like, Brady's best friend and he's not. I just worry well, more about the fact that, like, is, is the receiver room going to, like, blow up at some point during the season during practice? Is, is, like, is there going to like, be, be an explosion that goes off in the receiver room and everybody just looks down the hall like, oh, my goodness, what happened down there? And all of a sudden you see Antonio Brown storming out and runs out of the building. That, that's kind of what we're all what I'm concerned about. Yeah. 
I just, uh, I just don't. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I just, like, like, I do. Like, I just trust in their ability to either navigate it or just kind of cut, cut this experiment out if it just stops going wrong and then just resume business as usual. Well, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be an experiment, and hopefully it works out. I, I think a lot of people think the consensus is that it is going to work out. That's why everybody around the league, when they were asked what's the market going to be like for an Antonio Brown, everyone said the Patriots. Like Everybody was focused on the Patriots because they knew or they thought, at least what you were saying, was that if there's one place it's going to work, it's going to be the Patriots. And, I mean, that's probably going to be true, but Antonio Brown will have to see that. There is a segment of people out there saying, he can divide any locker room, even the Patriots, and he'll even bring down the Patriots. So there's a tug of war going on here, and I guess we'll have to see what, which which side prevails. Is it, is it Antonio Brown's ability to ruin and tear down organizations, or the Patriots' ability to make everyone conform? We'll have to see. I mean, as as it was written in the uh, in the Anchor newspaper this week, Brown represents the extreme end of the distraction versus talent debate. But anyhow, yeah, uh, eh, I don't know. Like I, I, I feel confident in it. I don't know why. But, I mean, is there anything else from this game Sunday to, to take away other than, oh, my God, the Patriots look so good. Oh, my God. <laughs> what the hell? This is usually when they don't look great. Like, is there? Yeah, I, I think there are things within that, certainly. I mean, giving up three points to the Steelers. And I am curious to see what that offense looks like this year because – but Juju Smith-Schuster is really good. James Conner is really good. They're proven to be that. And at the very least, even if yeah. James Conner isn't, isn't a great back, he has a great offensive line, so he should be able to play great behind it. So the fact that they gave up only three points to that Pittsburgh offense was astonishing. And it looked like they weren't satisfied. It looked like they wanted to shut him out, and they would have if Jason McCourty doesn't blow that one coverage and let up on James Washington down the sideline. But I thought it was incredible. I thought it was a display of, what we've been talking about all offseason of this defense is stacked, it's loaded. There's no really weak position on the defense at all. And I think that, look, it's going to be hard for any team to score on them. And that it makes it, you know, all the more impressive that they now have Antonio Brown on offense and their offense is as good as it was. And Tom Brady, honestly, looked better than he has maybe since, yes. I mean, I guess you could say no, he looked better than he did. the Chiefs game. He, did, he looked but, better than he did for a lot of last year. I'll give you that. Like, I, like he was – Yeah, like – as far as the regular season is concerned, he looked better than any game he looked uh, in last regular season other than maybe week five against the Chiefs. That's maybe the only game I would say where he looked better than he did last night. So, And he's getting, like, we, like we've been talking about, a top five receiver in the NFL in addition to that. So he doesn't look 42 at all. Like Last year, a lot of people were saying he looks like a 41-year-old. Didn't look like a 42-year-old last or right, the other don't, night. Don't forget, they're also getting Ben Watson back in three weeks. Yeah, I'm not exactly holding out hope for Ben Watson to start lighting the world up either. But I guess well, I, I mean, guess like, they're we'll still like they're, they are that. getting like a starting, like a starter back on offense. I well, think. I think it was Nate Underhill of the Athletic who tweeted out that they ran 24 plays all of last season without a tight end, and last or Sunday night. I should say, I keep saying last night, Sunday night. They ran 25 plays without a tight end. Yeah, no, I had that. I, I had that same graphic pulled up somewhere actually. <laughs> Which I mean should tell you. Look, they probably when Ben Watson comes back, will that change? Possibly, but they also have so many great receivers that I wouldn't mind if the, a lot of their personnel groupings are four wide receivers and one back. I mean, I think that. Could I work mean, for God, them. like you want to talk about how deep they are. Like Damian Harris was inactive, and I thought like he was a guy who was going to be. Well, this is how I knew how deep the Patriots were overall. I saw the inactive list, 
if we really want to talk about this roster, I saw the inactive list and went, wow, I like all of those players. That's crazy. Right. Yeah, Jawan Williams and Byron Cohort, two people that two guys that people were drooling over, two rookies people were drooling like over. Damian Harris, not, Obi, right, not who got released now. So, you know, RIP to that <laughs> idea. But I look down, I'm like, I like all these guys. These are all good players. Wow, none of them are playing. That's effing insane. Demarius Thomas yeah, on does. the inactive list. Right, and Kyle Van Noy was inactive, and at first people didn't know that it was because his wife was pregnant, but people kind of believed that, like, yeah, maybe he was just a healthy scratch because this team is just so good. <laughs> people for a second thought, yeah, I could see that. I could it's like, see oh, that's, that's kind of a tough so decision to make, but, I mean, I guess, you know, him, yeah, Jamie. I, like no, like, you're right. Like, wasn't insane. I was like, oh, like I mean, I guess. Like, if you want Jamie Collins on the outside more, I guess you don't want to scratch Landon Roberts because you know he plays a different role. And all right, I get it. All right, oh, Landon Roberts, the bay. captain, by the way. What? Yes, I know. Landon Roberts, the captain, which is yes. insane. Right. It seemed like he was going to be traded in the preseason. Now he's a captain. He was going to get cut. Oh. I know. Like. Yeah, it is. D- it is crazy. And you know, Kyle Van Noy. I mean, you know. Congratulations to him having a baby, but yeah, I, I I didn't think it was all that crazy for a second. Just because, like you said, all, all the great plays and Jamie Collins, he played well uh, he on Sunday night as well. He he had a great like he, he tackled James Conner for like a four yard loss on one play, and I mean everybody. Uh, there's really not one player you can look at and say nobody had a bad game. Or did anybody have a bad like the one bad thing? I think like things kind of got a little screwy after Marcus Cannon went out on the O line. Right. I didn't love to yeah, see that. That I mean, but yeah, looks like Joe that. Tooney has to move over. Yeah, it doesn't look like that's going to be a massive problem. It looks like he's he's in a sling right now, but it's not like I don't think he's going to get surgery on it. So like, Cannon should be back. And and plus, like by the time like you know, if it does become a problem down the road, they should they should be able to work in some of those new guys and have a more solidified backup tackle situation. But I mean, like other than that, like they look real good about everything. Like they just yeah, look, absolutely. Like even Gostowski looked good. I had him going in fantasy. I'm really happy about that. I really needed those points. Yeah, the, the one player I didn't like, right, I forgot about. You know, there was one player who disappointed me, Jake Bailey. Did not live up to the, uh, yes, the hype in, not in the first game. And I mean, fake like, Bailey. There, oh, my God. Somebody in the shell had 15 carries? Oh, 15 carries for 14 yards. I just saw that. I didn't realize that. Table. Jesus. I was going to say, like, they underused him, but Jesus, really? He had 50, yeah, I don't I, even remember him having 15 carries. Because they had 33 points in the game. And you think when your top running back averages 0.9 yards per carry, you might have trouble moving the ball. That, that might uh, hurt your offense a little bit to be in second and nine uh, every play because your running back can't get more than one yard. But no, it's but fine because it Rex not. Burkhead averaged five and a half yards per carry. Right. It did not hurt them at all. They, were, they continued to put up points despite that. So it, it was... It was really incredible. So yeah, I didn't. God, I don't. I was like, I, I really didn't remember them giving him that many carries. I thought he had like eight in the game. Well, I mean, I, I, I would say uh, you're probably not alone there because a lot of his carries weren't that memorable, considering he was tackled uh, for an average. Of but see, I would think I would have been like applauding that at a certain point. Like I would have like right. caught on and be like, yeah, he's so good, everybody. There's your first well, round pick, Sony Michelle. Like, I think at least some point I would have just like. Hopped on that trade, but right. Well, that, that, you can put that on the agenda for later today. I no, I know I can. But 
anyway, I mean, yeah, I mean, God, like, is it, like, is, what else is there? Like, it's just like, I, I can just keep going. Everything, like, Josh Gordon looked, wi- like, Josh Gordon looked better than he looked all of last year. I did not think Josh Gordon looked all that spectacular with the Patriots last year. I thought he looked slow. He looked kind of out of shape. I mean, God, like, he looked, I mean, not as explosive as ever, but he looked way more explosive than he looked at any point with the Patriots last year. So, I mean, obviously that's excellent. Yeah, he, he. I mean, you talk about the play where he jumped out of the tackle and exactly. was able to get into the end zone for the touchdown. Like he looked and, strong I mean, was last. It actually, a deep threat. No, like you last... remember one play last year where he made a catch down the field like he did last night. No, like, I, I really can't. Like last year, he did. He looked strong the whole year, but he didn't look like athletic. He didn't seem explosive, right. but like yesterday, like I mean, Sunday. Now you got me doing it. Sunday. He seemed like explosive. Like you saw him, and just sometimes you see like a fast guy move, and like you see like his le- like his quads just kind of like like move around a bunch. Like oh, that guy's that guy's fast. That guy's athletic. Yeah, he looked, like you just kind of see the fast great. twitch muscle like firing. It was great. Right. I enjoyed it. And that's to my point. That's to my point that they don't really need Antonio Brown unless unless you're banking on Josh Gordon eventually getting suspended again, which I guess isn't a bad. Yeah, thing. Yeah. No. Listen. But, I mean, you get, you get like you got to realize like now the Patriots have. Josh Gordon, Demarius Thomas, and Antonio Brown, which if you told any, like if you hopped in a time machine and went back to like 2014 and said that to anybody at all, right. they'd call you an insane person. They'd call yeah, you an it would insane seem person. Right. I mean, all those guys were once considered maybe one of the top five receivers in the NFL. Not now. I, I hear a lot of people now saying, oh, yeah, we have, you know, well, Antonio Brown. I mean, I still, I still consider Antonio Brown the best receiver in the NFL. Like, I've, I've been in lockstep about that for a couple years now. But right, I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything against no, that. No, I mean, yeah, like Demarius Thomas isn't what he is. Four, yeah, no, Demarius Thomas isn't a top ten receiver. I even wouldn't say Josh Gordon's a top ten receiver. Even if you want to say by talent, I don't think Josh Gordon has displayed that he still possesses top ten receiver talent in you know what three, four years, something like that. Like so I would, I wouldn't even go that like, far. Like five. Even Julian Edelman, maybe one of the most the 10 most reliable receivers in the NFL, 10 best, that's eh, a little bit too much. So, you know, Antonio Brown is the only one really in there. But look, I mean, they are, they all have great potential, but then they have four of the top 10, top 10 uh, a little too far, step too far. But I mean, otherwise, just to kind of move away, I mean, unless you have any, like, analysis for the Dolphins game. Because I don't, because it's just going to be, well, they'll kill them unless they don't for no good reason. And then they won't. Oh, my goodness. Like, it's just I like mean, it's... could you imagine? No, like, it lost. might happen. Like, it might just be like a grindy, like, 13-7 game for no good reason. In fact, I feel like that's more predictable than that they'll just kill them. Yeah, maybe uh, Bill Belichick just feels bad and he wants to make it close. He doesn't like, want to embarrass his friend God. Brian Flores. Like, I almost feel like it's more likely that for no good reason it'll just be like an uber-competitive game. Absolutely. Right. I mean, how many... You might just not want to embarrass Brian Flores, your former constituent, someone that you obviously believed in a lot. But like, hey, oh man, I see. Time. We didn't believe in him enough to make him defensive coordinator, but oh no, all your half your team requested to be traded. Right. Oh, that sucks. At the same time, do you almost say, well, you know, you went to the Dolphins, so you're traded, so we want to beat you? Or I wonder, was this the plan all along? Was Belichick yelling, yeah, go to the Dolphins and just. To get all, get rid of all their players. No, why sure would you? Bu- no why do you need to the sabotage team? the Dolphins? Well, because you lost to them last year. You why do you need to waste your time sabotaging the Dolphins? God, like no. You need to get rid of them. But I mean, you want to talk about like just a move? I mean, other than that, like I, I don't know, score predictions. I don't know, be thirteen 
nine for no reason. Locking it in. Well, yeah, so uh, let's see. The Ravens put up 59. Belichick's not going to like that. I'll say 62 to 10. I think Belichick wants to uh, one-up the Ravens. Seems like, uh, feel like seems like something he'd like to do. So I almost feel like Bill wouldn't want them to blow two teams out in a row like they have. <laughs> it's yeah, well, the field- we'll see. Uh, I'm sure Josh would like to. I know, as we've heard in the... In the uh, yeah, so we can keep Bowl, auditioning to know. keep the same job. Right, the, the videos, uh, as we saw in the, uh, you know, We Are America, whatever, the America's Game uh, clips from NFL Network, Josh McDaniel is is uh, in charge of the offense, so I'm sure he, he wants to blow out the Dolphins. He, he loves the opportunity. But look, it's, yeah, it's Brian Flores versus Josh McDaniels. They also, they obviously have inside information. God, who cares? Seen each other at God, who cares? For years. Don't care. I'm not doing. Well, I do. I do that. I, do that, I do that every. No, no. I'm not. I'm not doing that. Like a, oh, Belichick versus a Belichick disciple. Oh boy. No. Like they'll either win or maybe they'll lose. Like they lost to the Lions last year. But it. It's not gonna be about any inside info. It's just gonna be. I don't know. They have one stinker okay. in the first six weeks every year. I'm still banking on it's gonna be against the Redskins. Jake, you're the one who brought up this game. You're the one who brought up this game, and I'm talking about this game. I know. It's just like, like oh, it's just like I feel like I have to bring it game. up. But it's just like all the narr- all the narratives are exhausting. I'm trying to give you something. Oh yeah, I don't yeah, like they, it. They coached against each other in practice. Yeah. I don't know. What do you want me to say? I, I don't know either. Like, I, no, like he'll be out in three years, and Steve Belichick will be the coach of the Dolphins. I don't know. You want me to give you something on this game? Antonio Brown's friends with Jimmy Butler. Maybe Jimmy Butler shows up to the game. He's, oh. with, the, he's with the Miami Heat now. Oh, he is maybe, on the Mi- Maybe Butler comes up in a in a Antonio Brown jersey, and that goes viral. He's the first person to buy them. What number is Antonio Brown wearing? Because Ben Watson has I don't 80- know. I- is he going to pay Ben Watson for 84? I mean, it seems like he'd be willing to. I'm not exactly If not, sure are we going to see them trot out take- Antonio Brown wearing, like, 17? No, well, I, I think his options, if I'm remembering right, are 86 and 80, and I think a lot of people would like 80. I think ultimately he'll no, just end up No, Gunner has 84. 80. Gunner Oshlevsky has oh, 80. Gunner does have 80, yes. All right, well, maybe uh, – I think 80 would still be fun. If we can get Gunner a different number and have Julian Edelman – or have uh, Antonio Brown an 80, because I, I heard someone, Kevin Smith on Twitter, I believe, said this, that uh, Kemba Walker returned or revitalized the Antoine Walker jerseys. And Antonio Brown could revitalize the Troy Brown jerseys ah. to bring those back. Everybody has a Troy Brown jersey, so I, I think that's fun. Yeah, just bring back all the ah. all the old jerseys. So you that's don't need a to buy good idea. Ones. That's a bad business move for the Patriots, then. Right? Yeah, they, they might not like that, but we'll. Well, well see, speaking we'll of jerseys, if, uh, something I really need to get my chest. By the way, random thing: that Super Bowl patch was so ugly. I could not stop every time I saw it. It was like the most deflating thing in the world. Who designed that? It looks like a logo for a gas station. It was not. It was not a good look. It was clearly not a good look. It looks so bad. Maybe maybe it was like a kindergartner. It was like an art project, and they just picked the best (laughs) one. And uh, that's what it looked like. Like, it just looked looked so bad. It was not. It looked so bad. Like, I don't understand how it looks that bad. But right. I don't know. But, yeah. Okay. Done with all that. So, around the NFL, because I do well, because I watched, like, I don't know, like, 15 games this week. Like I had, like, five Reddit streams going at once on my computer. Definitely gave my computer some cancer. <laughs> Have to imagine that, right. that, that, could, that all those ad overlays, like, something bad had to be in one of them. But. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Let me just look. I was right with you. I guess just, you know, I guess we'll just do this hacky thing. 
Like, what was your big, I don't know, what was the biggest surprise of week one to you? Like, what was the biggest win? What was the biggest loss? I don't know, yeah. Biggest win for a team. Go. Well, I, I just want to talk about the New Orleans-Texas game, honestly, because that game that was, the best game was of week. incredible. By like a mile. And, you know, I, I, I hate to talk about fantasy, but my friend, I, to, I, I draft my friend's team. He throws it in my face because it's a $50 buy-in league, and he says, I can't believe that you, you drafted this team for me. It's awful. I'm like, you're going to win. You're going to win. DeAndre Hopkins is going to go off, and you're going to win, and you're going to uh, uh, throw this in my face for no reason. And then DeAndre Hopkins ends up two yards short of what he needed. And well, I, um... when DeAndre Hopkins made that 31-yard catch down the sideline, I was certain. I was like, oh, there it is. There it is. And, and uh, he just went. But outside of that, it, was, it looked incredible. I mean, Deshaun Watson marches down the field. He has no timeouts and 50 seconds, and he only needed 13 seconds to get all the way down the field. And then, of course, Drew Brees has to ruin it. And uh, it turns out Deshaun Watson did not use enough of the 50 no. seconds and no but, timeouts I mean, that, that, that he yeah, had to get down this, the field. This is the old vet thing you got to learn, I, I, I guess. But, yeah, you just I mean, God, you want to talk about fantasy. Uh, I, I thought I was dead in the water because the guy I was playing had uh, Pat Mahomes and Sammy Watkins going. And I was like, oh, I'm dead. Oh, I'm dead. Oh, I'm not taking this. And then, like, the, the later games, like, my, I had Amari Cooper and Duke Johnson go in. And then, like, it kind of started to look good. And then, like, we were basically tied going into the Sunday night game. We were, we were yeah, we were. No, give me, give me week one. No, give me week one. We were, like, basically tied going into... Yeah, we were ba like completely tied going into the Sunday night game. And then I had Gostowski going, and he gave me like a nice 16-point buffer. And then I just really needed Jared Cook to do nothing. And he did. So I, so, so I scored 154 this week. Uh, and, I, well, and the guy I beat scored 144. Yeah, I, well, I, as far as week one's concerned, I think the biggest disappointment by far was the Browns, right? I mean, they go up against the Titans. I'm almost not so disappointed because I expected it. What did they get, 19, 20 penalties, something like this? Yeah, like I, like, like I tweeted out about this. Like, during, like by the time that game was won, I'm like, how can you be surprised that the team that started Greg Robinson had a battle line and that the team that hired th some guy to be their head coach had no discipline? Right. Well, I mean, that, like Odell Beckham Jr. was out there wearing his three hundred fifty thousand dollar watch, and then he caught the ball with five seconds left to go, and then ran back in bounds in the half. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, good. This, this, this is not unraveling in front of our eyes. Well, I, I hope it works out because the Browns. I do think they'd be a fun team to to watch in the playoffs and succeed. But it, boy, did that look awful uh, on Sunday. You hope it's just well. Maybe they can clean up the penalties a bit, but. I don't know, like, I mean, you make a good point that it's not exactly like they have a coach who, uh, you know, preaches discipline or anything like that. At least it doesn't seem that way. So, uh, yeah, the Browns, not a great look, and it looks like, you know, that could be a disaster waiting to happen. I mean, God, like, any other, another game I watched, yeah, the Falcons. Oh, my God. Did the Falcons look like crap. And maybe yeah. it's like maybe the Vikings are kind of coming back, but my God, is Dan Quinn bad at being a coach? Like, how much talent right. does that team just constantly squander? You know, I wonder if it would have been the worst move for them, or I wonder how controversial it would have been if after the Super Bowl they just fired Dan Quinn. Oh, I talked about that at length. He's an idiot. Coach. Oh, they're all dumb. All of them down there uh, are dumb. 
I wondered if if they had fired Quinn and said, you know what, Kyle Shanahan, you can be the coach here. No, it was his fault too. It was his well, fault too. It was, but it would have been. He, but right now, who would you rather have? Kyle Neither Shanahan of them. I think they're both Quinn. bad. Honestly, I don't think Shanahan's think, all that great either. I would take him over Dan Quinn. But I mean, God, like that, like what other? I mean, the the Bengals actually looked halfway competent. In all fairness to them, they lost that Unfortunately game. Unfortunately for me, like they looked halfway competent. I mean, Dak Prescott looked incredible. Like I watched that game. Like I know it was against the Giants, but like Dak looked. And it's kind of buying into my long-standing theory that Dak's actually much better than people give him credit for. Because the problem with the Cowboys, I felt, is that for a long time, he didn't really have any weapons while he was there. Like, even when he had Dez, like, Dez really wasn't just, like, well, A, I think Dez was on the way out. And then also, Dez wasn't really suited for his play style. Right. But he still performed. And then they got Amari Cooper, who is not a great, who is not a great receiver when the Cowboys traded for him. But then, in, uh, I think Dak elevated him. In all honesty, he took a talented player and then made him play like a great player. And then, but then the problem with the Cowboys has been for the last couple of years that their coaching and their play calling is so bad. Yeah, and, but we need to see them against someone else besides. No, the Giants, I know, but, but then uh, at the very least, like. The play calling looked way like I've watched a lot of Cowboys games. Like I mean, everybody has because they're on every week. But I've watched a lot of Cowboys games, and I I I, I thought them hiring Kellen Moore to be the OC was stupid. But I, I don't know. Like the play calling looked a lot better. Like it looked like they were actually you know utilizing modern play concepts, and it right. wasn't just run run. Play action. Run, run, bootleg. Run, play action, deep ball. Run, run, play action. Like, look good. You know, like, I, I really don't appreciate you mocking the Seahawks offense right now, Jake. <laughs> I really think. But no, like, they look just as bland. Like, they beat the Seahawks in a wild card round, then adopted their game plan the next week. Right. Yeah, I mean, everybody looked great. Michael Gallup looked great. And, you know, it must have been something the Cowboys knew that Amari Cooper would fit in because – Oh, absolutely. Uh, look, because why would you trade a first-round pick for no, like Amari they, Cooper? Like, they utilized him well. Like, he's a talented player. Like, it wasn't being used right. But I'm just saying, like, like in like in fairness to Dak, because I am a, a, a Dak stan, I guess. Like, like, you gave Dak Prescott, like, a good receiver, and then suddenly, like, he's thrown all over the place to him. Like, you gave him somebody that wasn't Terrence Williams and Cole Beasley, and then, boom, like, right. there you go. Like, now he's putting up numbers. Right, because at the time, Amari Cooper looked like a bust. But the Cowboys must have just knew that yeah. we get him with Dak. And I mean, they no, they just traded him because they're impulsive and trade for receivers. But, I mean, it worked out. Well, I mean, I, I want to give the Cowboys a little bit of credit here. I want to say, you know what? They must have saw something scouting Amari Cooper and said, you know what? He'll fit perfectly with Dak. He'll be the exact – him and Dak will work perfectly together, and it'll work out. I want to give the Cowboys a little bit of credit for their Amari Cooper move because I can't see any other reason to give up a first-round pick for him. They must have said, you know what? We need this guy at all costs. We think he'll be worth a first-round pick for us, and they were right. I mean, like I said, like it worked. Like I said, like I think it's a credit to Dak that it worked. It's just like because I think people give Dak Prescott a lot of crap, and I think he is a very good quarterback. And I think you know if they give him the right play calling, he can ascend. It's just my point. You know, it's tough to be the Cowboys' quarterback. It's maybe one of the most well, yeah, because everybody positions. sees you every week, and everybody wants to see you fail. 
Yeah, it's one of the most scrutinized positions in all sports. You go back to when they had Tony Romo, it was the same way with him. He was one of the most hated quarterbacks in the league for a little bit just because he was Cowboys quarterback. So it's the same thing with Dak. And, you know, I, I got to give him credit. I'm not uh, the biggest Dak fan in the world, I got to be honest. But he did look great on, on uh, Sunday. And like you said, if he can continue this and it was about play and calling. The play and play calling can, is better. Like it's... Right. If he if he can have success with Kellen Moore's play calling, I'll have to I'll have to say, you know what, Dak's impressed me. And I was a fan of Dak Prescott in the preseason when he was first starting to light it up. I said I, I was very impressed. I thought he was great, but you know, he it was just so underwhelming. It seemed like he was so limited these past years. But maybe that is a uh, more. Well, that's of a my pro- point. He uh, hasn't had anybody to throw to, and he's had no play calling. Like that's been my point. Like I think he's right. been efficient with what he had, but it's just like. Assault, like a second-year quarterback can only work so well with Jason Garrett get, putting ideas in his head. And By the way, to complete pivot, how weird was it to see Witten again? Oh, it was. It, it, it looks like... It was weird. It, it, it looked like a, like a grandpa trying to like play tight end. Like, but like, it, was, it like, worked. Like, he scored a touchdown. Like, he, 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 he had a couple... Like, he was playing. Like, it was just... Right, but it, it also looks like he can just, like, barely move enough to play NFL football. Like... It's just barely he actually can run fast enough because because I, I I worry about even calling it running in the first place because it is not running he's like waddling down the field almost like that and that's as fast as you can go and it's like oh okay okay I mean, Jason yeah, if you at, just least, up, at least you're not calling you the Monday night game totals. oh yeah yeah like, oh, okay at least you're not I guess if it was either this or calling I guess you couldn't just do a third thing. I guess right, yeah, he wanted to go back to something he was good at, so I, I appreciate that. <laughs> you just need to rebuild your confidence, I guess. Like I need a right. second go at this retiring thing, but like I was like, I'm watching, like I'm like, did I did I dream that he retired? Did did I yeah. make that up? What what is this? Well, look, I mean, yeah, but but like you were saying, yeah, I mean, I think I have to give a little bit of a credence to the idea that yeah, it might, maybe it was a play calling, and maybe it was the weapons around Dak and. Now that he's looking a lot better, I, you know, I'm willing to, I'm willing to give Dak another shot. Like they not, have I'm a really talented team. Like they're kind of like, like they have a bat, like top to bottom. Like I do think they have one of the most complete rosters in the NFL, and I felt that way for a couple of years. There have a lot of years where I go and I'm like, well, the Cowboys like have mostly all the pieces. It's just not gonna work. But now they act like they do have. Like I do still think they have a legit defense. I do believe in what they have there. So I don't. I don't know. Like, they'll find a way to underachieve, but I I mean, who else in the NFC is really, like, standing out? So, like, I mean, you want to talk about the AFC, like, you want, like, another AFC team bit the dust. Like, I thought the Jaguars might have a chance if Foles turned into, if Foles, like, was a thing. But he's not, because he's hurt now. It's a shame, because he looked right. good. I mean, like, if the, you're in the NFL, wouldn't you, isn't that the one thing you want? It, it, like, it, wouldn't that be the best Super Bowl to have Cowboys Patriots. It, 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 the Super Bowl. Look, you, you're not. You're never gonna not make money on the Super Bowl. But if we're talking about making the most money, which the NFL obviously is, you, that will be the highest rated Super Bowl ever. First of all, and it will be. I mean, they're all the highest rated Super Bowl ever. Sell. Well, it, you have to admit that. that I mean, there's Cowboys, something. No, like, there's some the juice next to year might not top it. Like, there's some juice to that. No, like that. Like y'all talk about like teams and like I think we've seen two potential playoff teams in the AFC fall off in the last two weeks. Last week, we saw the Colts get smited off the face of the earth. Right. And now, like I said, like, I don't know. Like, I thought maybe the Jaguars, like, if Nick Foles could be good, who I was torn on, but I thought, well, at least, like, there's a chance and that their defense can kind of get back to where it was. Like, they could go back to being a team. And now, I don't know. Like, they're dead in the water. 
without yeah. Nick Foles. Like, they're definitely dead. Like, the, the Browns. Oh, every doubt I had about them, I feel like, is already confirmed. Like, I had my yeah. resume. So, yeah. The AFC is already it was, kind of starting to look bad. It was bad. a wonderful week one, you know. It, it was. It was, it was uh, pretty crazy for a lot of teams. It was It was good to start the NFL football season. And, you the know, Cardinals we'll are dumb. Week two. I feel like I need. Who's jumping I, I, on the Minshew train for uh, the Jacksonville? You, I, know, you don't believe in Minshew? It sounds uh, like you no. don't. No, I do not. <laughs> I, I do, I, if the Cardinals had held on to Josh Rosen for another couple of weeks. Maybe if it, well, it seems like yeah, that's true actually. Yeah, Josh Rosen might have been a great fit in Jacksonville, but I mean, you know, they'll be fine with Dobbs and Minshew. I think they'll be able. To, Minshew was he did play really well. You know, I'm I'm ready to give Minshew a chance. I think Minshew could against Kansas City's defense. Uh, I guess yeah. the only the only other yeah. thing I really want to point out is just like how gutless the Cardinals were. Like just oh, just goodness. for a quick record, like they had that great comeback. You're starting quarterback. Like I don't for for you know for for all the te- besides the ten people that watch that game, for everybody else in the world who wants who knows what I'm talking about. The Cardinals they they came back. They were an OT. They made this whole comeback because the Lions are just terrible. They were able to come back, and then they had the ball in overtime. I think they were, like, at midfield. There was a minute left in OT. They got to, like, fourth and mid, and they punted. And I just feel like that okay. needs to be given crap for. But you can turn that around on the Lions, too. They had fourth and mid. No, I don't care about the Lions. The I don't care about the Lions. They had fourth and mid inside the red zone in overtime, down three, and they kicked the field goal. So they were going for the tie, too. Both of these teams deserve to be tied. Actually, I, I, there shouldn't even be tied. If you tie, both of you get a loss. No, like, right? this is like, like, what are you doing? Like, what? Like what? I don't know. Like, you got, like, your number one overall pick quarterback, and you're like, oh, yeah, game one. Hey, great comeback, Kyler. By the way, we're kind of more of a tying team than a trying-to-win team. I don't know. Like, new coach, new quarterback. Like, that's what you give your fans. You go for the tie. You kidding me? And you Look, still I and you still might get the tie Frank if you don't Reich. convert. By the way, I liked it when Frank Reich went for it on fourth down against the uh, Texans last year. But in that situation, they were zero and three, so they kind of thought at the time, even though they made the playoffs eventually anyway, they thought at the time we kind of can't afford a tie. Week one, I think you're more no, uh, I don't like accepting it. Accepting of you got to set the tone. Right. I don't, I just don't like it. Like it just it's it's such a dumb little thing from two irrelevant teams, but it just made me mad. I was just like, what well, are you hey, doing? Cliff, King, Cliff Kingsbury already has a better record right now than he did uh, last year in his last year of college. So, <laughs> but no, it's just like no, but it's like it's also like it's not even like you're guaranteeing. It's not like it's a win or lose move. Like if you don't convert, you, I don't know. Like now the Lions have a minute to go from midfield. They'll probably screw that up anyway. And then it's still a tie. Like you just you just guaranteed yourself a tie instead of maybe winning, maybe tying. I don't know. I didn't like it. I don't like it at all. Hey, like I said, Cliff Kingsbury, not used to being 500, not used to ties. He's used to losing. So I he's, think like, he's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, guys, guys, guys. We won't lose if we do this. We won't win, but we won't lose, guys. Guys, this is great. That's a win for Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, my God, guys. Kyler. Kyler, oh, my God, you're the best. You're my guy, Kyler. I wonder <laughs> is, if they is, did ta- is tying the, the Lions Cliff Kingsbury Super Bowl? Um, it might be. It might be. You know, Steve Kime, the GM, how big of a risk did he take in even signing this guy in the first place? I mean, bring, you know, you already had a disaster with Steve Wilkes, and you're, you're, you fire him after one year, and you bring in Cliff Kingsbury. I can't imagine 
if this doesn't work out, I can't imagine Steve Kime even getting like an assistant job in the NFL beyond that. I mean, everybody does. This could be a disaster. Like you, you just, bring in I a just, coach. I don't know, like that. Like it's just like why, why, why go for the tie? I don't, I don't know. Like five, you're trotting out like the husk of Sam Bradford week one, like, fine, who cares? Like, you know you're not trying to do nothing. Like, you had this, you had this big, exciting comeback. Like, your young QB is getting some confidence. They just give up. Oh, I feel like you gave well, up. This is, I, can I tell you something? I would have punted, and here's why. I don't think they would have got it. I, so I have no faith that their rookie QB would have picked up that fourth down, and if he doesn't, you lose. And well, I don't at least like you like, gave my... him a like a chance at the big moment. I don't know. Like now, next time he needs to pick up a big fourth down, he, he feels good about it. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't well, know. I don't want my quarterback losing confidence, my rookie quarterback, because he couldn't pick up the fourth down, which I'm pretty confident he's not going to pick up. And I, I you know, I, I'm just not going to put him in that situation in the first week. I'll just play for the tie because I'm, I'm pretty, I'm like 90 percent sure. He's not going to pick up, and I'm going to lose. So I'll just take the time. I said you still you don't you don't lose. I don't know. I I, I I'm not going to keep arguing about about it. I can just, I guess like the people in Phoenix Sports Radio can keep this up, and I'm sure they're just happy too. They're like, oh my god, guys, it's a tie. <laughs> There's guys, something to talk about, for guys. Us. It's a tie. <laughs> I mean, you got to feel for those people. Their teams are the Diamondbacks, the Suns, and the Cardinals. So we can go all exactly oh, and sixteen at this there. rate. Hey, guys, uh, the, the top uh, news story for us here in Phoenix, Devin Booker and Bill Simmons' Twitter beef. How we're going to get into this next. <laughs> it, it's definitely like a 90-year-old who does the sports radio in Phoenix. All right, so I'm not on Twitter, but I hear that Bill Simmons tweeted something about Devin Booker, and Devin Booker tweeted back at him. This is a big story for us here in Phoenix. <laughs> so, so Devin so, picked- somebody noticed us. When we come back, should Devin Booker have played in China for the FIBA World Cup against the Venezuelans? Next. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on, Kenny. All right. Thanks it's for having me. fun. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. All right. We were just speaking with Kenny Doyle of GuyBostonSports.com. Talk everything football. Great guy. Check him out on Twitter at, at, K, at KJ Doyle GBS. Check him out there. And with that, I think that about does it for us today. You've listened to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. We'll see you next week right here, same time, Tuesday, noon to 2. We'll talk everything out about the Dolphins. We'll see what happens. Could be a lot to talk about. I don't know. See if Antonio Brown does anything else stupid. Who knows? We'll see you then. So see you next week. Have a good weekend. Good week. Good tomorrow. Goodbye.